0: Welcome to Sourcing Journal Radio, our weekly check-in with apparel insiders and thought leaders, which spotlights a variety of topics currently driving change in the market. Sustainability has moved from the sidelines to the center of the conversation. But even so, the apparel industry is facing so many headwinds, it's fair to wonder how and if the C-suite can and will prioritize true change in this area. I'm Kalitha Crawford, publisher of Sourcing Journal, and joining me today are Carl Hendrick Magnus and Sarah Kapelmark, apparel industry experts from McKinsey and Company. Last year, the pair co-authored the McKinsey Apparel CPO survey, which revealed purchasing officers' plans for creating sustainable sourcing at scale. Carl Hendrick and Sarah, why don't we start with a fundamental point point? maybe Um, Hendrik, you can take the lead on this one. Uh, One of the challenges in the industry is that sustainability means something different to every company. So how is that lack of common definition and standards impacting progress? Thank you, Khalifa.
1: And I think you're spot on. I think uh, what we realized uh, during our survey with the CPOs um, is exactly that. Just for, for reference to that, um, everyone is aware of what, what the survey has been. We interviewed uh, 64 CPOs of the apparel industry that together have a sourcing volume of a hundred billion um, US dollars, so probably the largest representation of, of CPO perspective in the industry. Um, and we dedicated uh, this time's survey to sustainability and the scale-up of sustainability and sourcing uh, exclusively. Um, and back to your question, it became exactly uh, apparent that the, the lack of standards, the lack of common language was a major hindering factor to uh, seen by the CPOs to, to really have the progress that this industry needs uh, to deliver against the scale of change uh, required. Um, everyone acknowledges that uh, there is huge uh, progress being made. I think the SAC um, impact with the Higgs Index is being mostly called out as a leading example on what's happening on, on common definitions. But to your question of what's, what's, how is this really impacting the progress, I think it's it's twofold. One, it's coming from the consumer side. Given that we do not have one common language towards the consumer yet, the demand for sustainability is not as big as it could be. If the consumer were, was able, in a more simple way, to understand the degree mm-hmm. of sustainability of the piece of garment she or he is buying, uh, she or he would be simply asking more for that and uh, make it a core part of her consumer journey. And that is not mm-hmm. the case yet. So the first hindering factor is the complexity in speaking to the consumer. And the second hindering factor is among the industry participants, there's a huge willingness to work together, but uh, it requires a lot of work on getting common frameworks, common language, common KPIs in place. A lot of uh, participants in the industry, for example, Mm -hmm. Global global Fashion Agenda with whom we collaborate are, are trying to address this, but there's still quite some way to go, hence the Pace and collaboration among the peers is also too slow.
0: Right. And we find that as well at Sourcing Journal as we're reporting on things like circularity. You know, do people really understand what that means? It's certainly a term that's used a lot. Um, And to that point also, Sarah, one of the other challenges that fashion brands are finding is that they're finding a hard time uh, identifying enough alternative materials that offer the same performance level as the traditional inputs do how can companies become more responsible in this area? And then also that would help them avoid disappointing their consumers.
2: Yeah, you're right. I mean, in the, the report, first of all, just as you allude to with materials, actually, among the different questions for CPOs, uh, sustainable materials came out as the top strategic questions for them. And it's the order of magnitude that 55% of companies say that they aim to source at least half of their products with sustainable materials by 2025. Uh, and, and we also ask them then well c- concretely, what are you talking about when you talk about sustainable material? and And on top of their list for for what they are looking at is recycled polyester both from for plastic waste and garment, and then uh, virgin responsible cotton and organic cotton and and recycled cotton. But as you say, uh, the availability of material uh, was listed by them as the main hurdle to achieve that. Actually, it's it's as much as eighty-three percent who said that yes, this is a substantial hurdle for us, uh, which makes it uh, actually the hurdle even even a bigger hurdle than costs. Um, and also, as you say, quality, that was something that, that 44% say was was a main hurdle for them when it comes to achieving their, their sustainable material goals. Um, and I think that, that in a way is a typical chicken and egg situation. And, and we believe that to some extent that, that as man for sustainable and high quality material will increase, we will also see more innovation and more supply. Um However, we do think that it will be a change journey where the the materials that we're used to, we will not be able to to replace one by one and have one silver bullet material that works exactly the same. But the designers will probably need to learn to work with a broader variety of new materials and and learn about their characteristics and when they are applicable. Um, We also believe that that even though, though there there might be a spur of innovation, that this is a field where we really need to see more partnerships, long-term partnerships, so that innovations that often come from small companies uh, get funded by the investment capacity to, to scale them up.
0: So, Hendrik, uh, as Sarah said, demand and partnerships are two of the things that will likely push for more innovation in this area. But are there other things that the industry can be doing to incentivize the development of these materials?
1: I believe so. And in the end, it boils down to the economics have to work out. So um, I think a, a great example from, from history is is the, the rise of Gore-Tex, Gore-Tex as a as a as a key um, fibre in the outdoor industry, and there, you know, the the scale was achieved through through real uh, partnerships with long-term commitments on the volumes and and uh, hence an ability to uh, beyond an initial innovation. Fund the scale up of that uh, that fiber, and I believe something similar will need to happen against many of the the very promising innovations that we see today. Um, when we, we spoke about supplier relationships with our with the CPOs, nine out of ten of the C- CPOs admit that they still work in a in a world without any long term volume commitments to their suppliers. And of course, in that kind of world, um, investing into significant R and D on the tier two, tier three level, uh, is often prohibitive. Hence, uh, the often called out, but not yet, um, implemented move to longer term and more strategic partnerships is a critical, um, enabler to fund that scale up and fund that
0: innovation at scale that's di-
1: directly needed to address its scarcity of materials.
0: As a part of this idea of having partnerships, um, we have to talk about transparency because to have a true partnership, you would have to you know, know a little bit more about the suppliers and factories that you're working with. And I know that that is a major goal uh, that came out of your survey for the CPOs. What's it going to take, Sarah, to achieve transparency? And really, what level of transparency should we be going for? What level do consumers really care about? Mm.
2: Yes, after the sustainable material topic, then then as you say, transparency and traceability came out as the second highest priority for the CPOs in our survey. Um, And looking at where they are today, actually only half of of the company surveys have transparency beyond tier one, Uh, but they also have high ambitions. So by, by 2025, Half of them plan to have transparency to tier two, and and one uh, third even to tier three and beyond. Um, And one important enabler will be new technology. Uh, And that can be in the shape of uh, RFID tags, blockchains, DNA tagging, uh, where the ones that we're seeing most planning to implement is uh, RFIDs. So 70% of companies plan to have implemented that by 2025. But I think that beyond the technical uh, enablement of of transparency and traceability, we actually do see that there are some companies who have more internal transparency than they dare to publish. Uh, Because the reality is that when you publish, you typically get scrutinized. so, so in addition to, to being able to have the information, I think we also need to see brands be a bit more daring in their, their approach and be prepared to and be, be accepting to, to the fact that there is going to be scrutiny. Uh, and I think it's a great question when it comes to, to what transparency do consumers actually want? Um, b- because even though consumers ask for transparency, what we're seeing is that this doesn't necessarily mean that they will go in and actively read everything that you are transparent about. But but it's still very important that you have this, this feeling as a consumer of that this is a brand that has nothing to hide. And this is important because one third of Generation Z consumers say that they are willing to pay more for products from a brand that share their values. So, so, being able to feel confident that this is a brand that has nothing to hide, that is important. And then exactly what shape or form that that will take, I think that that will evolve over time uh, because what we've seen is that what consumers expect consistently moves. So to take an analogy, when when uh, when we were talking a few years ago about uh, uh, that that consumers won't have, uh, have speed when it comes to delivery but what that meant before Amazon was probably a week and then when when Amazon starts to set the standard of that well you can get delivery within 24 hours then you start to expect that well speedy delivery means that I can get it within 24 hours. And that is probably what we will see when it comes to transparency and traceability as well, that as soon as someone innovates and does something really well in terms of transparency and communication, then consumers will expect that from more players.
0: And I think we are already seeing that a little bit with the Everlanes and the Patagonias of the world. They have started to plant that seed that consumers can have a little bit more information than what they were used to having. And it's, you know, kind of lighting a fire throughout the industry as well. Hendrik, if we can maybe stick with this idea of partnerships, uh, what did the survey reveal to you about brands and retailers' willingness to collaborate with their suppliers and factories? Do you think that they really are going to open up on the level necessary to move sustainability forward?
1: First and foremost, I think there is an acknowledgement with many of the CPOs that despite Many years of discussions, uh also a lot uh supported by by your journal and, and your conferences on um supplier partnership um incentivation. The the movement and change hasn't been by far enough. Eight out of ten of the CPOs acknowledge they are still in a highly transactional season-by-season mode, and in a on a on a quest towards helping the uh, the suppliers put the required enablers for sustainability, be it on the operational side, a water treatment plant, or be it on the social side, in place, will not happen if we stay within that type of mode. So I think that acknowledgement is is there. Um, When you then look at the the change, of course, the change is very much led by the, the larger players in the industry. If you segment the CPOs, The degree of longer-term partnerships and co-investment is on a very different scale among the uh, large leading brands, global brands, compared to the tail of the industry. And this is not accusing, it's it's of course driven by the ability to also have that spending power and and, and funding power. Um, But they are clearly leading the way right now. The... The likely ongoing consolidation of the supplier landscape, of course, will, will ha- help um, uh, further drive this. And I think there is, in my personal view, sometimes a bit too little focus on the amount of, of investment and innovation coming out of the supplier landscape, um, looking what great um, movements are, are, are happening. It's not always that kind of the, uh, the, the brands uh, need to be the the trigger point. Often it is uh, larger suppliers that that basically are starting to be able to differentiate themselves through a more sustainable offering, um, and hence, key more demand. Uh, lastly, what I would want to kind of briefly allude to is not only the collaboration between brands and suppliers, but also between different brands and different players in the industry. I think there's an increasing level of willingness to collaborate among competitors in this industry. Uh, The the announcement of the new business unit of H&M, Treadler, where they are opening their supply chain to others in a quest to uh, have others buy into their um, sustainability credentials and make use of the investments that they have done over the last years is, I think, a great example for this. Um, and hence, I think what makes me very positive is this this generally increasing level of, of openness towards collaboration, both lateral uh, as well as vertical uh, in the industry, um, w- although acknowledging there's a long way to go.
0: So if we're looking at what is always going to be the focus for the industry, because it is a business after all, um, the industry is always focused on margins. So Sarah, how does the need for brands and retailers to turn a profit square with the need for the investment in sustainable materials and processes?
2: So I think that we're seeing that there is a preparation in the industry that they need to manage both. Uh, so so another survey we did for our state of fashion report, we launched in, in December, there we could see that while at the same time, uh, executives there, uh, it was only 9% who thought that economic conditions would get better. At the same time, they ranked sustainability as the number one biggest opportunity and the number one biggest threat to the industry. So I think that what may happen, though, is that uh, due to this, fashion will become even more a winner takes it world industry. Which it actually already is to a large extent, um, because already today, 177% of the fashion industry's value creation comes from the top 20% of companies. So I think that the, the big and the bold companies, they will be able to both drive investment in ambitious sustainability agendas and manage the challenging economic conditions. But fashion companies who already have low margins and little capital to invest may not.
1: What I would like to add to, to Sarah's view is that uh, when we surveyed our CPOs, two thirds of them indeed expect sustainable sourcing to increase cost. Most of them say somewhere between one to five percent by 2025. However, some others, roughly one third, also say they don't expect it to add any cost. So one CPO of a very large leading brand even said, as long as you have the right partners, there is no reason to believe that we will have any cost increases. So obviously, the the view here seems to be slightly divided. Um, Nevertheless, the majority uh, see that, um, uh, sorry, let me do that again. Um, Nevertheless, for the majority who see higher cost, close to half of them say, they will be able to mitigate those additional costs through resource savings and uh, efficiency programs in the supply chain. So several process and energy efficiency initiatives can in themselves save costs and drive sustainability, we believe, um, and hence make it a bit a big, a good business case. Lastly, I would add that um, a, a good way for sustainability to drive positive business cases is, of course, through top line and higher sales. And here, we were really excited and happy to see that in this year's State of Fashion report, for the first time, we really found evidence that consumers are starting to be willing to pay more for sustainability and for brands with a sustainable footprint. That can both come from specific products. Uh, And from simply being a more attractive brand with such a sustainability um, brand image, which leads to a higher willingness to pay. So there is a business case that is um, coming out um, purely driven through demand and sales.
0: Henrik, you know, beyond hard costs and direct margin impact, you know, there's a there are other ways to look at sustainability and how it might help or hinder a business. Do you think, for instance, that sustainability could improve companies' speed to market initiatives because that's a big focus right now?
1: I I think first of all, it is it is uh, enabling and and benefiting for those that have higher speed to market, largely driven out of um, the fact that overproduction uh, and wastage in the industry is still one of the biggest sources of uh, the um, negative impact uh, this industry is having on the planet and hence uh, an increasing uh, share of full price sales through and, uh, and less markdown, less waste, of course, is the ultimately simplest uh, uh, of all levers. Rather than becoming more efficient, we uh, avoid the, the waste entirely. And here, speed to market uh, plays a, a major role. Um, uh, we see that uh, we do have uh, higher full-price sales through shares where speed to market is quicker, where we have more near-shoring options and at least established dual sourcing options where a later bet- batches in an open-to-buy program can be drawn from from near-shoring sources. And hence, uh, further driving um, that flexibility in sourcing and that speed will be a key driver of of, uh, sustainability. And secondly, of course, the whole planning element comes in, um, where uh, a better inventory forecasting and a better planning of where I want to have my product at what point in time um, will help drive, uh, drive the sustainability footprint and of course reduce uh, the need to fly around product or have waste created because we have product at the wrong place and the wrong time. So beyond the pure speed, the ability of inc- uh, improving planning, also leveraging the power of advanced analytics and artificial intelligence will be a second driver I would call out here to drive the positive um, uh, trajectory on, on the sustainability footprint.
0: Okay, so it sounds like the apparel industry is waking up to the fact that sustainability can be also good business. Thank you, uh, Hendrik and Sarah, for joining us today to discuss this. And for anyone who's listening who wants a deeper dive into these topics, the report that we're referencing, again, was the McKinsey Apparel CPO Survey. And if you want to hear more from our McKinsey podcast series, you can visit sourcingjournal.com and click on the podcast link. Thank you.